listening to the Batman Universe Commentaries, brought to you by thebatmanuniverse.net. Join the staff of the Batman Universe as we watch another exciting incarnation of the Cape Crusader from his extensive media library. Welcome to the Batman Universe Specials. Today we are going to be doing the commentary for Batman Under the Red Hood. I'm Zach, and today I'm joined by... This is Dustin. And this is Nick. So, uh, without further ado, let's start the movie. At three, you're going to click play. One, two, three. Immediately, we get some menacing music. Yeah. I have to say that this opening sequence, you know, I knew that A Death in the Family was going to be some way brought into this movie, uh, but I didn't expect such intensity right off the bat, especially with uh, the scene that's going to be coming up here shortly. Well, the good thing is that we're watching this about half a year after this film came out and there was a lot of hype around this film when it came out so now it's an interesting opportunity to reflect on whether this film really does live up to that you know still later on i believe it's as far as you know it's dc's most critically acclaimed animated film to this point Uh, i think it even holds higher ratings on some websites more so than mask of the phantasm and sub-zero yeah, it definitely was uh, quite interesting. It, what's one of the things that um, I really enjoyed about this was the fact that you know even though it is it is different than what we saw in the uh, comics, they still interpreted it very well, which in some other DC animated movies we've had a big problem with. I feel like there's but, a per- certain one you're referring to there. Yeah, I probably would be referring mostly to Public Enemies. See, this scene, I thought, was perhaps the most challenging one to convey in this film, just how far can you go? Because obviously they've got a, a, a rating they've got to stick with. Um, and I thought they did it quite well. You know, you see a few moments, but they leave a lot of it up to your, yourself to sort of picture. And sometimes that can be more menacing than anything you can show on the screen. But I thought it really did justice to that whole, that whole scene, which is a very historical one. I would agree, you know, I will say that I think, you know, obviously from book to film, things are going to become more graphic, but uh, in the comic, it's much more suggestive. You actually never see Robin being hit with the crowbar. All you see is the Joker swinging the crowbar, which I thought it was interesting that they really show, they never, I don't believe in what we just watched, they ever show the crowbar actually connecting to his face. I think you see his face move and you see the Joker swinging, but you never see the impact. Um, But I was also very surprised by even just, you know, the extent of the blood, like having him spit in his face and things like that. I'm sure they had a lot of issues just trying to make sure they got that scene 
in the right you know frame to make sure that their rating was the right one but so they probably had a lot of lawyers or, or whatever just telling them you can't do this you can do that i think the thing it does do is it opens your eyes in this movie and keeps your eyes open the rest of the way because you never know you know if there's going to be something else coming that's like this and the joker's ruthless as well he's just killed a teenage boy i mean it's pretty serious stuff i don't want to be the one to ask it but uh what did we think of john dimaggio not necessarily replacing mark hamill but uh his voice acting in comparison. I thought it was a, a decent decent take on the character. I don't think it was nearly as, as good as Mark Hamill, but uh, I think it's better than some of the other ones we've seen in the past. I think it's definitely better than whoever voiced uh, Michael, Richard, uh, Michael Richardson in uh, The Batman, or even the guy, who, whoever's doing in The Batman Brave and the Bold. I think he did a better job as, than both of those. I think it's very different. Um, interesting take. A bit, maybe a bit of Heath Ledger in there, I felt, but also a bit wackier like Mark Hamill, so it was a strange one, but certainly made him a bit more ruthless, I thought. Not so much a harmless clown who just plays pranks all the time, but someone who can really cause some damage. And I liked it. I think um, I'd be, I'd really like to see him try it again as well yeah i think he his voice is much it's darker in a sense than mark hamill is i think it's a little bit creepier um that doesn't necessarily you know i i would agree i think if you know mark hamill decides that he doesn't want to do the joker anymore which he's said but he seems to always come back and do it if they needed an actor to voice that character consistently i think john dimaggio is the guy to do it i i really liked his interpretation here. This intro that we've got uh, is, is I thought was really interesting. Um, it kind of, in one way, bridges the gap between you know, the story we just saw and the story we're about to see, and the fact that it shows the cemetery and all this, but uh, I, I found this uh, intro a little bit better than some of the other intros we've seen in past films. I'd agree with that. I think some of the intros have been a bit bland. It's not really much there other than some logos of heroes or something, but I think you get a good feel of Gotham with this intro. Music's quite interesting too. Bit um, darker, quite menacing. Certainly feels like a very different film from the other stuff we've seen. 
kind of interesting because some of this animation during this intro almost is, almost looks like it's live action. There's Judd Winnick. Our, uh, our favorite writer, if you listen to the uh, comic cast. Yeah, um, that's a sarcastic comment, but uh, it is interesting that he was the, the person who originally wrote this storyline. And uh, in turn, this storyline uh, was was uh, kind of he kind of converted it toward you know for the film. But uh, that's I find that interesting. What did you guys think of the storyline in the comics? Storyline in the comics was good. I think it was it was drawn out a lot more than it needed to be. Um, I think the movie does a good job of you know putting some pieces. Uh, making it a little bit move move smoother and move a little quicker, but uh, I think there was a couple things they left out of the comic or out of the film. But uh, it made sense the things that they left out, like the Superboy Prime Punch explaining how Jason Todd came back to life. That made a little bit more uh, sense to leave out, just because you would have to deal with the whole well, how does that work and things like that. Yeah, he he made. He wrote this film to be much more accessible to a larger audience. I think the first time I read the comic, I was not a big fan of it, obviously. I was, I've was i never been huge about Jason Todd coming back. I just don't think his character is really that terrific. But I remember liking the comic. I will agree that it it really just lost its ground, I think, when they came to explaining how he came back with Superboy Prime punching a wall or whatever. It just got a little ridiculous, and it kind of made you... F- it disrupted the flow of the story. It almost felt like you were reading something else at that point. But he he pulled out the important stuff and incorporated it into this. And I was actually, you know, I've never been a huge fan of Judd Winnick. I think he has his hit and misses. But I was extremely impressed with the way that he wrote this and incorporated elements from, I honestly think, three uh, stories, uh, a death in the family, his under the hood story, and then also the killing joke. So, you know, I was I was really impressed. And there's several scenes in this film that I think stand out better than some of these other scenes, like the opening scene. There's a scene later that he does, but I think he wrote a, I think he wrote a lot of these characters really well. I think it's the character moments that really make this one. I think stand above a lot of the, you know, in quality above some of the others. It's even characters who turn up like Nightwing and Black Mask, the more peripheral characters, even they're interesting. Um, and you're interested in those characters and what they're up to. Something that's been lacking in the simpler stories, I think. And I, I'd say regarding the comic story, at the time I thought it was very exciting. Um, as you say about the reason Jason Todd came back, not quite so much. And unfortunately, since then, they haven't really... Jason Todd's been all over the place, which is a bit of a shame. But at the time the comic was coming out, I thought it was very, very exciting to have this character return. It's interesting that you, that you mentioned that uh, you know, th- there's a lot of peripheral characters in this one, and they make those characters interesting, too. I think that's one of the things that they lack a lot of times with these animated films is... You know, so so many times in the comics we see a number of villains, we see a number of allies for Batman, or you know, if it wasn't a Batman film or it was a Superman Batman film, we see a lot of extra characters just 
be around because that's where they would be. But in the film, they seem to leave some of those characters out because it's not really necessary. What's interesting is that, you know, even though Nightwing is in the in the film for a very short amount of time, they still got Neil Patrick Harris to voice him. And I think I think it's just interesting. Maybe they they've kind of realized they need to take a bigger and better approach about the supporting characters as well. Yeah, I would agree. Just kind of going through and doing these commentaries. There seems to be, in every kind of one of these films for the most part, excluding a couple of them, a point where you just aren't interested in what's really going on. Where, you know, just watching it, you start talking about something that's related to that moment or something that we've already seen that moment in. The thing about this movie to me was it was the first, it's really since Mask of the Phantasm and Sub-Zero, the first animated film that I'm never disinterested in going, what's going on. Everybody's written so well, I think, and the action never really stops, in a sense. It, it, it holds itself for 70 minutes all the way through, and I think that's impressive. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I would definitely agree with the characters. It's kind of, it's, I think they write them so well that just in re-watching this, you don't even realize there. I mean, there are a lot of villains that show up in this movie, but they show up in such you know, kind of a casual way. They're not, they don't seem forced. It just all flows in together, and I think that you know, that's a lot of what the other films are lacking. Mm, there's a moment there that we just had where those two criminals um, explain who Nightwing is and the fact that he was the first Robin. Now, quite a few people find that a bit annoying because it's not really shouldn't really be public knowledge that sort of stuff um, but I can see why it was done in this film to very quickly explain to people who didn't have the knowledge that that isn't you know that was Dick Grayson and just to make it clear to everyone but what did you guys think about that bit was it necessary I mean I don't I don't know that it was necessary but I think I think it anybody it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out when they're you know especially criminals and the way you know they're the the rumors kind of run around with the you know with the criminals I don't think it would be unlikely for them to figure out hey there was this Robin he was a smart aleck he always made these comments and as time goes on clearly he can't be Robin anymore because he's not unless he's a midget who doesn't grow it's impossible for him to be the same Robin. So I think because he still works with Batman, it's almost like the most likely outcome. So it didn't really make it that big of a difference to me that someone would know that. I, For me, I think it's hard to kind of judge something like that already knowing that Dick Grayson was the first Robin. So it's hard because, you know, I don't know what the kind of reaction to somebody that doesn't know that is watching this. Uh, I think, I don't know that it's necessary, but I think it was, a, it was a nice addition just because, you know, they do that instead of having to go through maybe this, you know, five-minute sequence of explaining that, you know. And then also, you know, they don't bring in Tim Drake or anything, which I think was another smart decision. Because, I mean, if you get too many characters in here that, oh, they were, you know, once Robin... I think it's going to start to become a little ridiculous for a, a you know a regular audience. It's different for people that read comics because you've seen that 
evolution of Robin or whatever. So I, I just I think it was a nice way to, you know, if you didn't know who Nightwing is, you know now. And Nightwing's one of my favourites, so I was glad they brought him in because um, he's he's not really had enough uh, media appearances, I don't think. Um, mostly because they don't want to scare audiences away, as Zach said, with confusing them about Robins and Nightwings and stuff. So I was glad he was brought in, and I think Neil Patrick Harris got it pretty good. I was a bit concerned at first that he'd be a bit too light and friendly, but I think it worked. They got the tone just about right with, with uh, Dick Grayson. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think they did a... When when I first found out that he was going to be voicing, especially since when we found out it was right after he was in Batman Brave and the Bold as a music meister and thinking that this was going to be a huge difference in characters and Nightwing really can't be over the top like the music meister was. But that just goes back into good voice direction. That's, that's what we got from... Uh, Andrea Romano. A lot of action in this film as well. It's been pretty non- non-stop from the start, really. Yeah. We've got the uh, Jason Todd dying, uh, Batman going after that monster in the crate, and now we've got a car chase. Well, you, it's they do that so well. You you can't afford not to pay attention uh, because it moves so quickly. I mean, they really I think fit a lot of information in the seventy five minutes or whatever it is that they have to make this movie. I remember thinking that it just wasn't enough time to go through it all. But as uh, as we mentioned, it's just transitioned through everything pretty smoothly. What did you guys think of them including this as a, you know, a way to kind of introduce, I guess, give the the Joker an origin in this story sort of ways? I mean, this is pulled from The Killing Joke, but... Was it really needed? I didn't quite think... Well, I think it actually is looks really good. But I didn't think it was... I think it's just a minute there that you don't really need it. I think the thing that I think I guess I understand the reason behind it because it's almost as if they're trying to draw the comparison between the two red hoods. Um, yeah, it's you know it references the birth of the Joker in, in a sense, but I think the big thing is that it's kind of making it as more of a so the, you know this was the Red Hood and look what you did. I'm the Red Hood, and then you find out later, well look what he did, and that's you know. It makes sense, and it, it, it kind of helps explain that. But, I yeah, you're right. It, it's not necessary. It just it kind of makes, it, makes you understand what the Red Hood aspect of it is. I look at it as an Easter egg for the comic readers. I almost think if I was watching this having no idea, I might even be confused to an extent because, you know, they're two different costumes. Um, you know, and I've... 
as much as I like the Killing Joke as a story, I've always thought that the Joker just having no origin makes him more interesting. Um, and that's just opinion. But I, I think it would almost kind of be confusing if you saw that, like, what what's going on here? So I look at it more like an Easter egg, I guess. Maybe it's to get the general audience to suspect that the Joker is the new Red Hood. I think that might be a bit far-fetched. I mean, it's hard to say what I would have thought if I didn't know anything about the comics and I was just reading the story, or I was just watching the film. Because the the thing is, you know, watching the film from the perspective of not knowing who the Red Hood is, I would... If I was if I was to draw the conclusion that oh maybe this is the Joker, my only thing would be I, I guess I would wonder then why what was the point of showing us that Robin getting killed? But then I would think to myself okay well maybe it was leading into something to do with the Joker and Batman going after the Joker, but it wouldn't make any sense of why the Joker would be wearing this other costume. By the way, we have to mention the animation. I think it's superb. I mean, when you go back and look at The Mask of the Phantasm, it is a great film, but there are some moments that look like they're drawn quite simply, you know, not a lot of detail. But you look at the detail in this film, just the backgrounds, the characters and their emotions, I think it's amazing how far animations come in 20 or so years. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know the nostalgia in me or whatever. I actually have always preferred that really simple animated series style. I actually really, really like the episodes of the animated series where the they're not as clean as some of the other ones. Uh, I don't know what it is. It's just... I feel like animation, at least the way I look at it, is it's supposed to... It's not supposed to look like the real world look real right and i think one of the things that has bothered me over the years just watching it change is that animation has gotten more and more realistic to this point where i don't know if i'm i'm really you know i think it kind of does a discredit sometimes to the story i'm not i'm kind of unsure where i'm going with this i guess i guess i just don't really i prefer the stuff that looks much more cartoony in a sense, than I do the stuff that we're getting today. There's no doubt. I think this is great animation. Um, But, I don't know. I just have always preferred that older stuff. I mean, there's a distinct difference that you need to draw. And I think the problem is the line is becoming a lot more blurry as far as the difference between live action and animation. You know, the trailer for Batman Arkham Asylum came out and it was it looked so real as if it could have been live action now we know it's not but it's just it's it's interesting how how insanely good animation can get to the point where it looks as if it is real live action but i i i'm I'm with you there i i like the the older stuff better where you know you know it's you know blatantly this is a cartoon this is an animated movie and it's actually interesting that you brought up that trailer of the 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 Arkham the Arkham City teaser that first came out. Uh I never said this, but I actually thought at the end of it that when they show Batman's face or whatever, I thought it was 
a guy dressed up as Batman. I really, I thought it was a real person. I was like, what kind of trailer is this? What, what, what? You know, like it was a joke or something. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I, 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 the, the older stuff in a way looks flawed to me. And that's, I guess what, that's what it's, that's why I find it so charming, I guess, versus this stuff that looks so clean, so it's just it looks it mirrors real life so well, I think, but I also think you know it's it's also you're talking about the blurred line, it's like they've decided to make these animation films look as realistic as they can, but to me, if they're gonna do that, why not just make a live action movie, but at the same time, I think if this film was made into a live-action movie. It wouldn't be nearly as well-received yeah. as it is in animation. I don't think it would have been nearly as good, either, just because something like this, you know, a large storyline that, you know, you have to include a lot of different backstory elements to really get the story across, this translates better in animation than in live-action. Because live-action, you would end up with... I mean, think about this. This movie is 75 minutes long. You know, Dark Knight was two hour, two and a half hours long. You know, there's a big difference when you compare of how much information you get in the Dark Knight in comparison to this. You, you know, you have to have the stuff in the live action a little bit more drawn out to really make it, I guess, more worth it. In in animation, it can be you know, you know, nonstop action and not you know, not get old too quick. Yeah, I, I always. You know, I've always judged the animated films much differently than I would judge a live-action movie, just because animation can't do all the things that live-action can. It's just the way it works. It's unless you know, it's created by Pixar, which they seem to nail it. But yeah, definitely. Also, uh, you know, animation—you really are. You really can do anything that you want. Um, yeah, it's a good uh, point. Admittedly, The Dark Knight will have a massive budget, or Dark Knight Rises will have a massive budget, but they can't blow up a skyscraper in the middle of a city, or you know things like that. There are limits. Um, that those limits are getting smaller and smaller every day. But animation—you really can do anything that you want, and that's why I think it works well with these comic book storylines, which are pretty fantastical with stuff that is just. A, too too far for for something to actually practically film. For instance, a helicopter falling off a skyscraper, pretty pretty tough. Yeah, and especially you know, it, I mean they could do it, but it would end up being CG, right? And would it end, would end up not looking nearly as good as it should. Would end up being commute animated. I have to say, my only gripe about this movie is I'm not a fan of uh, Jensen Eccles' voice as Jason Todd here. I feel like it's it's way too over the top or something. I don't know if that's just how he talks or not, but he it seems to I just get the impression that he's kind of like hamming it up the whole time. Um, and that was the only real problem I had with the voice acting in this movie was his his portrayal. I think it was written appropriately because. Some of the lines, you now he's quite cocky, as, as Jason Todd was. I think they got Jason Todd written well. And personally, I think Jensen, e- Jensen Eccles, okay. Uh, nothing special, but 
I thought we did an okay job. Yeah, I think maybe, you know, there are some really good voice acting performance. I feel like maybe he's, uh... I'm not giving him enough credit just because I'm comparing him to the other voice actors in the movie, but I just, I don't feel like he's nearly as good as anybody else is. And I have to say, you know, we haven't talked about it, but I I really liked Bruce Greenwood as Batman here. I, I would agree. I think he did a, a pretty good job, and I think uh, Warner Brothers realized he did a good enough job, and that's why he ended up being Batman in uh, Young Justice. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad he did that because Jen, uh, Bruce Greenwood is a fairly uh, successful actor, live action actor. I mean, you know, we love Kevin Conroy, but Kevin Conroy, I don't think had much of a live action career. I know he did an episode of Matlock, but uh, you know, <laughs> I kind of think in a, to an extent, you know, Kevin Conroy maybe needed, you know, Batman more than Batman needed Kevin Conroy. I was I'm, I'm just glad that. Bruce Greenwood is willing to, to keep doing this if they ask him. Because I think he brings, you know, he kind of brings what Kevin Conroy does. He use. You hear the maturity in his voice, but he, in this movie particularly, he really feel I get the, the sense by his voice that he really is haunted by all of this. Yeah, at first I wasn't sure about Bruce Greenwood, but um, I think he's grown on me a little bit. Um, We've had some good and bad actors in the in the past. I think he's one of the better ones, and I would like to see him have another go. And we'll obviously get that with Young Justice when he gets a few more scenes in that show. But um, yeah, I, I think he's got potential. I, I'd be curious if I don't know if they've announced this. I'd be curious if they'd have him voice uh, Batman in the uh, Batman Year One project. That was supposed to be coming out in the next year or so. I, I don't know. I think for that, I would I would uh, try to find somebody with a little bit more gritty voice or younger. Because of, yeah, maybe uh, Jensen Echoes. No. <laughs> maybe Neil Patrick Harris. No. <laughs> Not that's not going in the gritty direction that I was really thinking. Maybe Jeff Bridges then. And that might be too old. I hear he's a man of true grit. So. <laughs> uh... What do you think of of Bruce Wayne's face? Beautiful. I mean, just the way he's the way that they have him look here. I don't know. I mean, he looks like a grump. Yeah. But, uh, I guess that's supposed to be. He's supposed to kind of look like that more so than uh, you know more than you know if he was Bruce Wayne the playboy which we don't really see in this this movie now uh, Bruce Tim apparently voices the riddler in this scene and uh I really yeah but i'm pretty sure the riddler never says a line during this whole sequence 
Crow just goes ah! as he falls yeah. down the stairs. I'm pretty sure that's all he does. So, you know, uh, maybe after this outing, Bruce Tim is going to take up a much larger career as a uh, voice actor. I think um, if you're going to get the Riddler in, you need need him to say a riddle, don't you? You would think so. Now, this bit, as we see an older Robin, thought was brilliant. I thought this was perfect, and it reminded me a lot of the episode or uh, the the comics. Uh, there was a there was an issue in, in of Batman where. Jason Todd holds a criminal off the uh, off the balcony and threatens to like drop him and doesn't end up dropping him but does end up breaking his arm and it's very very big comparison to what happens in that scene and we really get to see what Jason Todd was like as well as a Robin as well so, you know a bit hot-headed didn't always obey orders yeah, at this point, I think, you know, we're glad he's dead. And, you know, we're jumping back and forward in time here in a non-linear way. Fairly well, I think, fairly smoothly. You know, we see a memory, we move on with the story. It's not confusing or anything. Now, Black Mask is someone that I've not really read a lot about um i hope to get to that eventually but always found him fascinating and but i didn't imagine him to be this angry all the time as i said not read the character so i haven't got a lot to base it on but i thought he'd be a bit i think be a bit carbon a little bit over the top more so than it needs to be yeah i would agree i i don't even know if i necessarily like this acting performance either i feel like He's just, he's, yeah, he's just so upset. I don't, you know, the, just drawing comparison to the comic, he has this huge fight with Batman in the comic, and here he's just kind of like this, this suit, you know, that has, is getting other people to do his stuff, and, I mean, I guess that's fine, I just felt like, uh, his character was maybe a little underused, but I, I really like Black Mask as a character, What kind of club is named the Rusty Nail? I just gotta say that. <laughs> and have and and the colors be pink. Yeah. It's interesting that we could have a building that has the you know that is basically just the bare bones and it's just sitting there. It seems as if they would have just knocked the building down and left it in a vacant lot. When Batman's involved, I think the mobs and the gangs 
should should take part as well because I think that's just part of, of how Batman's so exciting. Some of those great animated series involved gangsters and not the classic villains that we know. So I thought it was quite exciting to see some of this sort of gang warfare play out. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think, you know, though, because we, you know, like the character so much, we appreciate that stuff. I think more, you know, general audiences, I think pref- really prefer to see all of the supervillain action more so than just thugs. Um, I totally forgot that that guy was caught on fire there. I was a little surprised by that. I have to admit, I found this bit a little bit tedious. These uh, bounty hunters or whatever they are. Yeah, I don't. See, I don't remember this ever. Much different in the story in the comics. Yeah, I was going to ask. I don't even know that I remember this happening because I don't think these. It was, it was like a, an entire issue was Red Hood going against these these people. But I mean, they weren't they weren't like this. They were people with. There was like a variety of different people, and a lot of them had powers um, instead of just these random glow stick weapons. Um, but the whole idea of this was the 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 point of the issue was to have uh, Red Hood fight with Batman after Batman figures out that it's Jason Todd, just reaffirming you know after he sees his fight style and kind of you know understanding and having like a mutual respect for each other type thing despite the fact that you know Jason Todd is a villain or is he it is kind of cool to see that uh, he did have the dagger that we saw in the comics too the jack you know the the crooked crooked dagger yeah I would agree, though. Because you've got to love shut up and fight. Good line. (laughs) That's so ridiculous. Well, the bit where he runs through the car. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it's never that smooth. I've tried it. People have thrown cars at me dozens of times, and I always try to get through the doorways. It doesn't work that easy. Your foot usually gets caught in a seatbelt or something. One thing that I thought was a bit different was that it didn't take them long to figure out Jason Todd was was the Red Hood. If I remember correctly, in the sto- in the comics, it took quite a while before you figured out who the Red Hood was. I mean, obviously you had your suspicions, but until it was revealed, it took a took a while. We get it fairly quickly in this film, and and to be honest, you got to be pretty dumb not to figure out what's going on. I think, too, there's a part of that in the story where, you know, he's just in denial. He denies that it's 
that could be missing Todd. Yeah, I think that has a big chunk of, you know, the the thing behind it. And the comics, I think, because it was a story taking place over a long span of time, it was important more to draw it out and, you know, is who could this really be? I think the thing that ruined it in the comics was the fact that we had the uh, fake introduction of Jason Todd coming back in that Hush storyline because it was almost as if what was the point of doing that if you were only going to bring him back less than a couple years later? Yeah, because it was kind of a big deal in the Hush storyline. You kind of thought, what? I don't know. I think it maybe took some of the the fun out of Under the Hood, I guess, a little bit. I love this moment where Batman offers to help him and just from that little close-up on his eyes you can tell he's sort of surprised at first but as he says it's too late good character moments you would think Batman would have enough money to have a gas mask that he wouldn't have to hold up Oh, that was just, like, built into the suit? You know, something that, like, just pops out or something. Or just a simple rebreather that he holds in his mouth instead of having to hold it onto his face. What would he do if he got into a fight? Have to strap that sucker on? I thought the uh, Batcave looked pretty cool in this film. Quite simple, but interesting. I just have to say the computer screen has always been way way too big in everything who needs like a computer that big well you know, you know yeah. when you're a kid they tell you not to sit so close to the TV what do you, what do you think how many surgeries on has Bruce Wayne had on his eyes you have to ask Tommy Elliot that question you get it because he's like a surgeon get it get it except for he's not an eye surgeon so it was kind of a bad joke it's a plastic surgeon One thing I never understood about the black mask that they have in here is, you know, the mask, the story of him getting the mask is, gets stuck onto his face when he's a kid, because it was his, like, mother's favorite uh, mask or something like that. But what's very strange is that if you look at the side of his neck, he has these weird black spots on the back of his neck, almost as if it's, like, some kind of... It's like dripping off. Yeah. And it's also interesting how somehow he has, like, this amazing strength where he can pick up and throw a desk. And yet he never fights. Yep. This, they just wrote him as a very, like, stereotypical gangster here. And I feel like he's been written better than that before. Yeah, I would agree. Even even in the Batman the, the TV show, he was written better.
it's important it's very interesting that it was very important for them to show that everyone got out of the room before he shot the bazooka I don't know why because <laughs> they've been showing plenty of death so far Arkham Asylum looks quite plain, I think. It looks almost as if it could be a uh, cathedral church more so than an asylum. Although it is interesting to see that the uh, outside, uh, or well, the inside is like kind of deteriorating and very dirty. I'm just glad there's no green lightning. Yeah. This interior actually looks, reminds me a little bit of the uh, video game. I feel sorry for the cleaner. Now, why do people bother trying to get the Joker's help? Have they not learned from... Oh, everyone else's previous mistakes. I don't know, but... He's not really a team player. I don't think he's ever been been one, so it's very interesting to try to figure out exactly why someone was under the assumption that he would ever be one. I think they assume if they pay him, he'll, uh, he'll want the money, but I don't think that's really the case getting a bit uh, gruesome here with the digging up of the body. Now, it's funny when I think about when A Death in the Family ended and when Under the Hood came back and how Jason Todd's body nothing was stolen. Well, in here it is, but I mean, he, in the comics, you know, his body never deteriorated or anything. Yep, there was just, uh, there's just time, time yeah. that he, uh, his body just sat there. Yeah. Large leaps of logic. Now, I have to say, this is um, my favorite scene of the entire movie. Um, it's a good one. Yeah, I just, I, I just thought it was so well written. I just couldn't believe that they kind of did what they did.
But to be fair, those thugs are a bit slow. Yeah, but I just kind of have a glass of water and it turns into him splitting a guy's throat and shooting six guys in about five seconds. Yeah. Now that that feels very Heath Ledger to me. Yeah, I, I kind of felt like there was that interrogation scene earlier. I felt like those very much were scenes trying to kind of play off of that the success of those scenes in The Dark Knight is that, oh, if we get Batman and the Joker in a room together interrogating, having him interrogate him, you know, it's just absolute gold automatically. Here we get a, a bit of uh, race. Another, has, like like I said earlier, just another great addition to the cast. Mm. Jason Isaacs uh, portraying him, who's worked on the it's Lucius Malfoy. On the Harry Potters, yeah. Yep, he was also the uh, British captain in The Patriot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that film just made, like, anyone who was from the UK pure evil. <laughs> Good old Mel Gibson. Yeah. I guess that's meant to be uh, Ubu? Ubo? Ubu. 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 Now, why would you topple the economy of Europe? Why not the economy of the world? One small step at a time. Uh. To be honest, you know, I honestly feel like just the way that the Ra's al Ghul character is, I don't... I believe there was a comic story at one time where he did work with the Joker. Um... But I think it's very out of character. I think it's for Ra's al Ghul. It is. It is an odd decision. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I think it's very out of character for him to really work with any anybody without outside of his own family. Um, but on top of that. I mean, this is kind of like the explanation of how Jason Todd is, is alive again. But what I'm having even a harder time understanding is how in the world did Jason Todd's body, which was blown up inside of a factory, how, like, when, he, when, when Batman dug the grave up, he popped open the top, and there's the body looking like it just died of natural causes... How, what in the how in the world was anybody to actually? How would he have looked like that? Yeah, I mean, my explanation would be: well, he died. We we gave him a gravesite because he died, but he was his body was destroyed in the explosion. Well, it's one thing to uh, show a kid getting beaten by a crowbar; it's another to show a disfigured corpse of a yeah, teenager. Yeah.
Now, did um, the original Death in the Family storyline take place in Bosnia? I I thought it was more sort of yeah I thought it was sort of Middle East area. Yeah, I yeah. think they uh, took 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 that out because of current events. Yeah, because I do remember the Joker became like the ambassador to Iran or something like that. Yeah, oh god, yeah. nuclear crisis, <laughs> which it is probably up. the the best thing about that story. But it's great when he turns up at the UN in like a a Middle Eastern outfit. There was a someone made a fan film about that years ago. And it was that was kind of amusing. I might have to find that and post it on the forums. I would like to see that. I've never heard of it. Well, it, it's kind of funny because that story is regarded as you know being so dark and you know one of the great stories. <laughs> and then the second half of the book is the Joker <laughs> being an ambassador to the UN or to Iran at the UN. I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, and it's and it's funny to read. I mean, it, you kind of laugh while reading it. I think. And Superman just turns up and tells Bruce, you can't kill him. Uh, now we've got the, the new origin, well, well the new uh, explanation as to why Jason Todd returned, using the good old Lazarus pit. Unfortunately, I, you know, I, I, think it, I, like, I love the idea of race living for a long time, but those Lazarus pits provide such an easy way out for writers. And we know how much DC loves to bring people back all the time. I think it works. I just, I would be curious, you know, not knowing anything about a Lazarus pit, like, okay, you explain why he's died, but what's in that pool? What, I mean, what is, you know, what's making all these people, you know, young or return to life? Uh, I feel like that's a whole other question. And how does he survive that jump? Hmm. We've got a brief uh, look at Talia there as well, by the way. It's blink and you'll miss it, though. That plane looks pretty cool. I think it's it's kind of just like a modern take on the uh, the version we Eight. saw in the '89 film. Mm, yeah. I was just thinking about it. I think their kind of portrayal of Alfred was kind of interesting. Uh, they made him look a little bit more like uh, Alan Napier from the uh, 66 show. Mm. So he just needs a domino mask and uh, go out in the Batmobile. Yeah, they, 
I yeah, definitely nice. didn't follow the uh, the version of him in the comics where he has uh, still still a little bit younger, where he's not as grain and white, white haired. Did you ever think that uh, he <laughs> and say Harriet had a thing going on? Um, I don't. I'm gonna refrain from. <laughs> giving a comment on that question. Yeah. Keep the mystery. Yeah. It it took all of uh five minutes for the Joker to betray Black Mask. And for a minute there you're yeah. wondering what it is that he's pouring on them. Yeah, it looks like coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen gasoline that is that color. See, this is the thing with Black Mask. I didn't think he'd be so stupid as to think he could even get get involved with a joke or benefit. Why doesn't somebody just shoot him? Like, what? This just wouldn't be interesting, then. It's just so easy. He's just standing right there. In plain view. And the cops are just watching these two have a conversation. It's like... He's got a bunch of people in this truck pouring gasoline all over them, trying to light, light a lighter, and we're just gonna, you know, try to talk him down. And it's really gonna work. Joker, you don't want to <laughs> do that. Actually, I do. <laughs> it doesn't have to end like this. You think I forgot about the list? It'll end for them. Yeah. It's been 70 years, you haven't killed me yet, so I don't think you're going to do it now. <laughs> I gotta say... I never knew the Batplane had, you know, a fire extinguisher to get load on. <laughs> Yeah, he's like Inspector Gadget, isn't he? Yeah. Well, then again, you know, you never know. The cops aren't going to bother following them now, for some reason. Even though there were some helicopters. Yeah, to them it won't matter. They have have the people that we're going to burn to death. Yeah, I think uh, this is where it starts getting very interesting for me. 
when the three of them are in the this room together. Now, if I remember from the comic, the Joker really doesn't show up until he kidnaps him, if I'm correct. Sorry, so the Hood kidnaps the Joker, or Joker kidnaps the Hood? No, the Hood kidnaps the Joker. I don't... I mean, they they gave the Joker a much bigger role in this story than I believe, if I remember correctly, he had in the original comic. Yeah, he has... He does not work with Black Mask at all. Right, yeah. Like, it makes sense in the movie because they try to incorporate... Bring the Joker in instead of just have the Joker show up because Red Hood's going after him. It also makes a little bit more sense because it's not it's not so much as a question of Joker, uh, so why are you why'd you bring me here? It's he was, you know, kind of working with Batman slash against Batman and Joker was hired to take Red Hood out, so Yellow Oval? Anyone see the Yellow Oval? Yeah, yeah. Those are just nice little details. Nice, uh, nice scene reminiscent from Batman. Batman 408. Yeah, but was the did the Batmobile look like that in 408? It did have the giant bat head on the front. Oh, did it? Okay. Ah, watch out for the trash can. Now this this fight in the alley was kind of the way that this the comic started. I can see what you mean about the Red Hood now, Zach. He is—he lacks a bit of an edge in his voice, I think. Yeah, he just—he seems—he just, just kind of seems like he's playing it campy in a way. Yeah, he's, yeah. he seems kind of casual. I don't think, he? Yeah, I just don't think it really meshes well with the way that the other characters are being portrayed. Quite odd seeing Batman without a mask. Do you think that he wears that little mask on underneath the helmet? I don't know. That, that's the one thing that that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Like, what would be the what, what's even the point behind doing that? To be honest, what's the point of those little masks anyway? I mean, it doesn't hide mm-hmm. much, does it? Very true. Well, I, I wear them around the house all the time, and everybody thinks I'm a stranger. <laughs> yeah, well, I just put my hair in a different parting and put on some glasses, and it makes a big difference. 
knives do not go into concrete that easily. <laughs> the blade would break, not... Jason's doing pretty well here, I would say. It is interesting how so many buildings have these random giant ledges that they can run along. Gotham architecture. Yeah, I think you're supposed to, you know, Gothic architecture seems to have a lot of that stuff, which I guess is what Gotham is always kind of, they've always kind of gone for, or more of that Art Deco style, I guess. It's a pretty intense fight, this. I mean, he slammed Jason Todd through three walls there. Yeah. And he hit, his, hit him on a toilet. It's got to be degrading. I love how through all that fighting they just end up in the right room. Yeah. Well, I think you could possibly say that Jason Todd led him there. Led him there, yeah. Getting his head beaten into the toilet was all part of his plan. <laughs> yeah. I thought this Joker made a lot of funny jokes, but he doesn't laugh that often, funnily enough. Yeah, Mark Hamill's joke is laughing after everything he says, pretty much. But this one was uh, a bit more restrained with his laugh. That's a good point, which I'm sure now if I ever go back and watch anything with Mark Hamill, I'm going to notice that and it's going to start to annoy me. Why are you laughing all the time? Yeah. Well, he is the Joker, so... It's until when we get to a good bit, because everyone stops talking. Yeah, that's how it works, and then when you get to a bad bit, nobody ever... nobody ever stops talking.
I think ultimately it was just I was surprised that they pulled all this off so well. Even like the sequence, throwing him a gun. I still, though, even to an extent, like, this is supposed to be such an emotional moment, like, just because of what it is, I still kind of find it funny, like, kind of cheesy in a way. I quite like the idea of Jason testing Batman. You know, he, he could obviously just kill the Joker quite easily if he wanted to. But he just wants to get Batman's attention and uh, show him that his extreme way seems to be more effective. Although I must admit, stopping a bullet dodging a bullet's a bit <laughs> bit much. He's gonna take out that mess and that's Keona Reeves. Yeah. There's a there's a mind bender for the fans listening. Imagine Keona Reeves as Batman. I'd rather not. Yeah, I don't want to either. Well if he played his um Bill and Ted sort of character, it'd be much more interesting. No, I'm I'm thinking more of just the I'm Keona Reeves. I'm Keona Reeves. Have you seen the film with Keona Reeves in it where uh, Anthony Hopkins is it and they go after Dracula, I think. Uh he anyway, no. he has an English accent in it, which is just it's probably the worst English accent I've ever heard. He goes, Oh, hello, I'm uh, Keanu Reeves <laughs> 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 No, I haven't, but I had to check it's that there. out now. The other thing I, you know, I'm surprised by that everybody, you know, this was so well received. This doesn't really end on a on a high note. You know, in a way, it's kind of satisfying, but I would think, you know, you would kind of want something more after this. Well, I think the thing is, the entire movie is, because we kept saying nonstop action over and over and over again, not once do you think to yourself that you didn't get enough out of the movie. Right. Uh, for me, it's kind of a relief when everything slows down, I think. Bram Stoker's Dracula. That's the, that's the one. Check out Keanu Reeves in that. My God. thought it was quite interesting that idea of keeping the costume up just to remind Bruce about 
what happened originally with Jason Todd, it was still, you know, his fault that the original Jason passed off, passed away. And I, I thought this was actually a really great way to end the movie. This kind of happy flashback, I guess. Yeah, I thought it was a good good choice as well. Mm-hmm. It's it's a nice. I think it was nice because it kind of shows that he wasn't always such a a punk. Dick, I guess. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. It, and that he had good intentions, you know, as Robin. Just didn't work out too well. And we close with rain falling. So, uh, I guess, final thoughts on the movie as uh, it comes to an end? Final thoughts? Uh, like I said from the very beginning, the uh, voice cast was... I th- it was pretty spot on, except for, like we said, Jensen Eccles. Uh, they could have done a little bit better job, but uh, I think having as many characters as they did in the movie really just made the movie that much better, which I really enjoyed. Um, I I would definitely put this in the top three animated movies that, we, that we've that we got so far, so uh, good things all around. Yeah, I'd say um, it's great to have another addition to the really good Batman animated films. Um, I think it's been a while since we've had a really excellent one, and this certainly is. Is it the best? After you know it being out for a while, I would say it's not. But it's certainly really entertaining, gets all the characters right, um, spot on in nearly every area. A few little weaknesses, but unfortunately for me, I think the older... Uh, Phantasm is still up there as number one, but this is a close second, and it's a different take, a bit more realistic, a bit more intense, a um, lot of Batman comic uh, references in there, which are exciting to see. So yeah, still an excellent film, excellent film. Whether it works too well with a general audience, I don't know. I've not really seen it with anyone who's not been well-versed in the comics, but for the comic fans, I think it's a real treat. Yeah, I think the best way to describe it for me was is it was a it was a surpri- it was a surprise. It was a breath of fresh air. I was not really expecting it to be so good. And as mentioned before, I think the voice acting, you know, whether I some I prefer to others, you know, I don't like some of them. I think it's all around really consistent. I think it's well written. But I would agree that, you know, I still don't. I still think Mask of the Phantasm, you know, is hailed as the best animated film. I think for me, I think maybe this moves a little too quick there's i just feel like there's not a lot of breathing room and it's understandable because they're you know putting so much information out there but uh, overall i think it's just a really a really good film so that's going to do it for us here at the batman universe specials make sure to tune in for the next commentary and this has been zach this is dustin and this is nick and we'll see you guys next time take care pip pip <laughs>